everyone, and welcome to episode number 198 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. We're live here this evening with another off-season CFL roundtable discussion. We'll get to a variety of topics here today. We'll also take your comments and questions in the live chat. Uh, thanks to our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. I want to apologize to those joining us live for uh, starting a couple of minutes late. That's what happens when you're the dad of a newborn. Uh, you can try to schedule a podcast, but they don't exactly follow a schedule with a variety of things. So uh, when we schedule these for 9 p.m. start times, take that with a grain of salt over the next little while. That it may be a couple minutes after 9 o'clock. But nonetheless, we are here to discuss a uh, variety of different things from around the CFL. I'm Ryan Coop, if I haven't mentioned that already. Joined this evening, first of all, by, uh, he's back again another week. He was here last week. It's the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm good. Let's get some football. Let's get some football talk. I got a, I got a little heartbroken yesterday in the NFL, so I got to get start talking about CFL maybe. Right on. Yes, the NFL uh, conference championships yesterday. We've got the two teams in the Super Bowl. Uh, two weeks from now for the Super Bowl, right? There's the Pro Bowl this weekend. Yeah, flag football Pro Bowl. <laughs> oh, it is, it is. It's a flag football game this year. Oh. Yeah. yeah. The Manning brothers are coaches, I think. Love it. Gotta yeah, love it. Pretty good. <laughs> and joining us here this evening, making his 2023 debut, first time this year he is here. It's the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you tonight? Hey, doing good. I'm finally glad I get to talk some football instead of having to talk senior hockey through so much. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. And uh, uh, you're right, Trey. I, I somehow you lucked out on one of those picks last week, but uh, the other yeah. one, uh, yeah, not so much. Uh, Chris in the chat, the Cowboys are no way my team. That's Mike. So just don't know. The Cowboys are the farthest from my team, man. The Cowboys are the Rough Riders of the NFL. I'm not touching that with a stick. Like, no. <laughs> Tell me they're not. Never mind. That's another episode. That's an hour episode there. Uh, yeah, you. Uh, yeah, I believe you got both picks right this week in the NFL, right, Trey? So uh, no, no, I had the Bengals. Did they not cover though? No, it was like two and a half, and they oh, lost by the field goal. Shoot. No, that that like we could talk about roughing the pass or two for here for about an hour. So, <laughs> I, I think you and I are tied going into the Super Bowl on playoff picks now, because I got both wrong this week. So uh, we'll see how that yeah. plays out. Uh, but let's talk some CFL ball here this evening. Uh, what are we going to talk about? Well, we're going to talk about the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, paying offensive lineman Drew Desjardins the big bucks. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, a lot of major coaching changes around the CFL so far this offseason. We'll take a look at some of those. Uh, also, some big-name players that we know are going to be headed to or are likely going to be headed to CFL free agency and not going back to their current teams. We'll touch on a few of those. And uh, also talk about the CFL preseason broadcast schedule that was announced today and uh, how I'm not happy with it. Uh, and I think that's a common sentiment there, but... Uh, before we get into all of that, 
Uh, Adam, you weren't here last week when Trey and I talked at length about the big news, Bo Levi Mitchell signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, do you have any uh, any input on that before we move further on? Well, in my way, I'm kind of glad because the second choice apparently or the second place that potentially he was maybe looking to go to was, of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And at the moment, the Rough Riders really need to do a, spend a lot more money on different places other than the quarterback situation compared to what I think. And so I'm very glad to see Bo Levi Mitchell. I, let's face it, as soon as he signed in Hamilton, it, it essentially was just a matter of time before Hamilton made the announcement that they've got him re-signed. Three years, I'm a little kind of skeptical about that just because it's such a length of time. And Bo Levi Mitchell has kind of regressed. And I mean, it's maybe the team around him or was it Bo Levi Mitchell? I guess we're going to find out. But to me, the amount of money that he's making really tells me that Hamilton is committed to him for a good portion and they're hoping that he can give him another three years. But I'm, I'm a little skeptical about that, to be honest with you guys, just because we've seen kind of the bad bow for the last little bit. Uh, but I guess we'll see. The next thing I want to see Hamilton probably do if I was them was work on their run game because you know you got to help Bo Levi Mitchell be able to get those ball, short balls or long balls off, and they need to complement it with a good running game. And Hamilton has not been known to do that lately. Uh, Bo Levi fits into a great group there with him. Uh, again, the offense in, uh, uh, with uh, Hamilton has been throw the football and ask questions later. And Bo Levi Mitchell is a guy that usually does that kind of to a T. So that part works real well, but I still think Bo Levi Mitchell is going to miss not having a big run game with him like he's been used to in Calgary. So um, on my side of things, again, for Saskatchewan, I'm great glad they really didn't get him, to be honest. I know a few Saskatchewan fans were pretty much uh, banking on him coming to Saskatchewan, but I'm quite glad that's not the case in a way. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that also moves into the next one, which I think is Drew Desjardins on why I'm hoping that Saskatchewan doesn't get a quarterback quite like uh, Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah, uh, Canadian offensive lineman Drew Desjardins signing with the Ottawa Red Blacks a two-year deal this year, won the Grey Cup with the Bombers in 2019-2021, went off to the NFL uh, with the New England Patriots, and then I think was on the Saints practice roster after that before coming. There was talk maybe during the season he was going to come back, right, during the late CFL season this past year. He didn't. He tried to exercise some NFL opportunities. He comes to the CFL. I saw reports today, a number of different teams, up to six teams in the sweepstakes for him. And, uh, well, here's a pretty easy way to go and win the sweepstakes here. It's uh, loading up with the most money of any offensive lineman in the CFL. Uh, he is, according to Three Down Nation, uh, will earn $250,500 in his first year, $260,000 in the second year, plus also some incentives there. Uh, Elks Mark Corte was the, the league's highest paid offensive lineman before this at $220,000. So what do we think about, uh, I mean, obviously big time player, uh, you know, huge piece of that Bombers offensive line, got a good meaningful shot in the NFL before coming back here. Uh, let's go to you here first, Trey. Uh, you've seen De Drew Desjardins in action. Uh, what do you think about him getting paid, uh, two hundred? $50,000, by the Red Blacks. Mm, I guess if there's one position you overpay, I think it'd be the old lineman, right? Like the opposite of what 
Adam was saying about Bo, you don't really want to overpay for a guy like that. This is a guy you do, you know, spend some time in the NFL, Grey Cup champ, Canadian, you know, you need those Canadian passports. Um, and I don't think it terribly wrecks Ottawa's salary cap per se. Like it, it's not, it's nothing. It's a good guy to build your own line around. You'll hopefully have a healthy Mazzoli. I like it, Adam. I really like it, honestly. The number I know a few guys have said in Saskatchewan, well, that was pretty steep. I'm glad we didn't get him. Honestly, what did you pay Brendan Labatt back in the day? I mean, Saskatchewan has been looking for that new guard for a very long time since Labatt has left Saskatchewan. I really like this move by Ottawa. you got great protection now for Jeremiah Mazzoli uh, to complement what they've had before, and Ottawa starting to go... Uh, I mean, they had the third least sacks in this league last year, and now they got a piece like Desjardins there. So I think it's a really, really good move for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. The money doesn't scare me a little bit. He's right in the prime of his career. He just came back from the NFL. And again, the guys from Saskatchewan that are saying, why didn't? Uh, why would we want to spend that money? Take a look at Ottawa this year when uh, Ottawa is probably going to be one of the top teams probably in the East, I would say, especially with an offensive line, the way they're shaping up. By the way, also, I see a comment in the uh, chat from Chris. We'll answer that very shortly here. Yeah, Drew Dejarle, uh, I, I think, you know, it, it's a big contract, um, but certainly that's going to help. And Jeremiah Mazzoli as your quarterback after missing most of last season due to injury. Uh, also, you know, Three Down Nation reporting earlier, I think this week that, he restructured his contract to still from a bonus, make him more money, but save the team a number of amount of cap space. And I have to think part of that stipulation was, okay, use some of that cap space to bring in a solid offensive lineman to keep me upright. Because, uh, you know, you look at the quarterback landscape in the East division and you could argue, yeah, okay. Bowie by Mitchell, but many would put him at the top, but you could argue Jeremiah Mazzoli is the best offense or the best quarterback in the East division right now uh, with all of the question marks there. So you want to get the pieces there to keep them upright, make them successful because I think the Red Blacks did show flashes of brilliance and while they still struggled to win games, sure, but they didn't, you know, they, they played two hard fought games with the Bombers early in the season last year with Mazzoli in the lineup. They had a couple other, you know, the offense looked at its best with him there. So I, I think that's huge to bring a guy like this in to help with that, make, beat the jump on free agency day also to get this out of the way. And now you drop other pieces into place here. It's an interesting thing though, seeing these contract prices rise and maybe we're in a state now. I don't know if it's that there's more three-year contracts. I don't know if it's the guaranteed contracts, but teams seem to be trying to pay this top dollar to lock in a key piece. We saw Kenny Waller get $300,000 at wide receiver from Edmonton last year, which seemed like a crazy deal at the time. Now Desjardins getting, you know, $250,000, $260,000 from the Red Blacks. Do you guys think we're going to start getting to seeing this more and more top dollar being paid just to try to beat out other teams here? Uh, what do you think, Trey? Yeah, and then I think that's going to be the game plan for most GMs in the CFL is lock in those guys and then you get those um, – those guys that come up every year from America that you'll just plug in. You know what I mean? You'll get those rookies, CFL like rookies up here just to plug in anywhere you can. And they're coming in on the league minimum, whatever, 65000 it is. And you pay Bo and, or a guy like this, this big money, just fill them in with the Americans that are just looking for a spot, right? And that's, and that's how you get a guy like Dalton Schoen. 
right? You know what I mean? Like that's, and um, almost any American player that plays in the league right now was that guy. So that's kind of the system, I guess, of the CFL, right? You just pay those big guys, big dollars, and the new guys come in. Adam, uh, what do you think, man? Yeah, no, I think the guys that are those veterans that are earning good money and are proven players, definitely you got to pay a little bit more than you used to probably. Uh, you've got to another league to compete with again. Now with the XFL around, you've got to make sure that you're making that, uh, that you're not losing that talent uh, out of the CFL as quickly as you would maybe with like, again, you look at a guy that I'm going to probably talk about a little later on, like Derek Dennis, he's gone off before on the CFL uh, and he's, he would do it again. I would think if he had the chance, I guess he won't. We'll talk about that later on. But again, you've got XFL looking at some of these big name uh, free agents that are coming up on February the 14th. Well, guess what? All of a sudden you lose a few of those pieces and they may never come back. So you're going to compete with uh, Americans no matter where you are, because Americans are going to get paid minimum. The guys just coming out of college, they're going to get paid minimum, no matter if it's the XFL, the CFL, wherever. But a guy like Desjardins, a guy like uh, Derek Dennis, those guys you can't get back if they go to the XFL. The XFL is going to treat them like uh, gold, and they're going to go after them, guaranteed. So you got to keep them around. You're trying to get them for a little longer uh, just because of, again, you, you want to make more certainty for these t- players, and that means maybe a few extra dollars here and there. Um I'm looking at a few other players around that probably will get a few extra bucks than they did last year. Uh, but a guy like uh, Kenny Lawler or uh, even over uh, Duke Williams, I don't see them getting that as much as they did last year. So I think the Canadian dollars, especially for Canadian talent, will go up a bit this year. Maybe not so much on the American side. Although if you're a veteran and you're known for what you do, uh, expect that to go up just a little bit too, maybe. I wonder how the market plays into this here because, and I was talking about this with you guys a little bit earlier today, where, you know, everybody knows the riders need to go and dump a, you know, back up a, an 18 wheeler full of money and dump it on the driveway of an offensive lineman or two this off season to improve that category. So they're going to be trying to throw lots of money and they were most definitely have to have been one of the teams that was in the running for Desjardins. So how much is this going to lead to offensive linemen getting overpaid potentially this offseason? Because either A, the riders are going to find themselves on the, you know, the outside looking in and just trying to grasp at straws to land somebody, or other teams are going to think, okay, well, they're probably trying to do that. And I really want this guy, so I'm going to pay the money for it there as well. Uh, I know a couple other offensive linemen went off the board today, right? David Knebel re-signing with BC Lions, Derek Dennis with Calgary with the Calgary Stampeders. Like the pieces are going to go away awfully quick as, you know, the day opens up on free agency or before then. So uh, if it, you know, yeah, it's a position where maybe you don't spend that much normally, but if it's a necessity and you know, somebody else has that necessity, uh, maybe you're paying this dollar. Uh, Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, if you've got the guy under contract right now and it's a matter of $20,000, for example, Maybe you just make the deal so that you can't have a team like Saskatchewan or even a team like Montreal or somebody else bid you up a little bit uh, right when you get into that free agency uh, period. And, of course, the tamper window is going to start on Sunday here. Uh, So they get a week to talk about it. You might want to do it a little bit quicker right now. There might be a few extra deals come out of this. Uh, 
because otherwise Saskatchewan could start talking to team uh, players. So I think you're going to see a little bit of that. I don't know if it'll be as much as you think, though, because most guys have it in their idea of what they want. The teams know already kind of that have wanted those players back. They know what they're offering and what they're kind of going at. I mean, if it's a very close deal and you really want to go to push come to shove and you see somebody else re-signed, then maybe you could see maybe the odd deal becoming of that. But I don't think it'll be quite as much as you think. So, Trey? Uh See, I'm not that surprised because, like, and when Ryan says it's going to be a thing, it's been a thing. The offense, Canadian offensive linemen, are like that is like that. That's been the only Canadian players up until maybe the last four or five years. Now we see all these guys, right? But those are the guys, and those it's to get that guy to come back to Canada is great. And it's I'm not that surprised about it. And like I can only imagine what the Blue Bombers pay on their offensive line every year. I can only imagine what some of the teams in this league pay for their offensive line. And, and, and the good teams, anyway. I know what Saskatchewan pays, probably about a, a bag of wheat or something, you know. But um, a little, not that much. But we prices and, are up right now. Not prices are up right now. Oh, half a bag, then half a bag. Um, but you know, it's yeah, it's just the way it is. All right, let's move on to our next topic here. And uh, there's been a number of coaching changes around the CFL this off season so far. We're what two months into the off season. This is our second show really since it started. So a lot of this news came out in December, but this is our first chance to talk about it and weigh in on it here. Uh, let's start with a couple of things that are consistent. Uh, Mike O'Shea signing a three-year extension with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as head coach there. Uh, BC bringing back their entire coaching staff for another season here, also extending uh, Rick Campbell and Neil McAvoy, co-general managers, also head coach for Rick Campbell, director of football operations for McAvoy. Uh, they're getting an extra year through 2024. Um, those are kind of the main ones uh, sticking around. Uh, anything there on those two teams of kind of consistency-wise? Uh, no surprise, right, that uh, they're trying to bring back their their staff after the seasons they had? Trey? No, my biggest – I don't know what you mentioned. My biggest thing was um, it ties in with O'Shea is how Walters has no extension yet in Winnipeg and that – and kind of the theories kind of start going on that. Is O'Shea going to be the guy to ascend to that position in a year or two? That's the only questions I have with that. But other than what your point was, yeah, bringing back your, you're not, the Bombers aren't going to let O'Shea walk. BC, well, I don't know, is maybe a play or two away from being in the Grey Cup, right? So you're going to probably bring them back, right? So no, uh, out of that, there's nothing too surprising, Adam. I was actually just a little bit surprised. Again, I'm not surprised that BC or Winnipeg brought back everybody because both teams are very good right now. They're on the uptrend. Uh, Winnipeg has been maintaining that top spot for a long time. BC's moving up again. Uh, maybe one surprise I had a little bit was that Ryan Phillips wasn't looked at anywhere else a little bit more than uh, than what I thought he might have been because, I mean, that BC defense was very, very good last year, and I thought maybe some team might have looked at him as a head coach uh, for example, I never heard his name being called about for Montreal or even uh, for even the uh, uh, vacant spot. I believe it was with Ottawa uh, just to give him an opportunity. Uh, that being said, I guess, uh, like I said, Montreal had an old Thorpe there. So maybe it didn't, maybe they thought maybe don't do stir the pot too much uh, with uh, Ottawa. I mean, they made their decision afterwards, but uh, no, nah, kudos to both of those teams. They got the guys they wanted back and uh, did a good job of getting them back right away. 
Yeah, the Calgary Stampeders, another team kind of consistency in one regard, but a little bit of a change. Uh, John Huffnagel still with the team, uh, but stepping down from his general management role. Dave Dickinson gets a promotion. He's going to be head coach and general manager in Calgary. There was a lot of speculation this was going to happen for a little while. Also, some familiar faces being brought into the coaching staff for the Stampeders. Nick Lewis is the wide receiver coach. Jawan Simpson is defensive line coach. I, I like this. Uh, and uh, you know what? I'm intrigued to see what general manager Dave Dickinson looks like here, right? Uh, because uh, is he going to go out and be a little bit more aggressive come opening of free agency they, than John Huffnagel has been in the past? Huffnagel never signs anybody big opening day. I think last year, maybe they made that Cam Judge trade, which actually turned out to be a major trade uh, for them. But their whole model is normally build through the draft, build through these training camps later in free agency and do that. You guys think there's any pressure on Dickinson taking over this role for the first time to maybe go out there and make a splash, especially after, you know, a disappointing end to last season, uh, you know, Bowie by Mitchell walking away uh, or, you know, moving on from the guy who's been the guy for the past number of years. Uh, it almost seems like, this is as close to a rebuild as it gets for the Stampeders, which is not even really close to it. Uh, what do we expect from Dickinson here? Uh, let's go to you first, Adam. I don't know if I'd really expect a whole lot different. I mean, I think Dave Dickinson and John Huffnagel have been working together for how long already? They kind of do the same thing as each other. I mean, uh, Huffnagel seems like it's essentially one is the uh, one is the uh, leader of the uh, or of the uh, what do you call? Uh, Rebels are not, but then, yeah, I'm going to give up the reference of that one. Anyways, uh, good. Anyways, I'm just thinking that, no, they're very similar guys. I think they work very close to the same way. I don't see Dave Dickinson making a huge jump in the offseason here in the, in free agency. There's probably one or two guys that he really liked back, but the guys that he wants back are pretty well already signed. I mean, you look, Cam Judge, uh, Derek Dennis, they've got uh, Jake Mayer still under contract as well. Uh, they've got the guys that they really want to have back. Uh, again, last year, I thought Kabar Jordan was a little bit of a disappointment. I don't see Calgary jumping real high to get him. Somebody will, though, I'm sure. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Calgary does, but nah, I expect more of the same from Calgary. They'll bring in a bunch of guys. They'll keep winning, and we'll all keep complaining about it. Trey? No, I think the biggest pressure for Dickinson is on-field product, right? Like, you know, Calgary – Finishing, it's weird to say, finishing third was a disappointment, you know, like, you know, I mean, but that was pretty big for them. And, and no, and uh, no, I, again, like, I, I don't know what reference you were trying to make, Adam, but I think of Star Wars here, Huffnagel's the Sith Lord, and that's uh, Dickinson's the the apprentice, uh, Darth Maul there, you know, um, and, and, and it works, they wear red, but um, yeah. So I think there's no change. And like, this is what I'm saying. My, I think it's going to be the new trend is the coach is going to be the GM, right? And you see it a lot in other leagues. You see it in the NFL. I like it, Ryan. You showed me those lights last week. Um, <laughs> you can't do stuff when I'm talking, man. I have ADHD like crazy. He's going um, to the dark side, isn't he? Yeah, holy jeez. I, but I think I'm more interested in that to see how many head coaches turn into the GM dual roles over time, especially with the salary operations cap and stuff like that. But I don't think there's any pressure on them. Yeah, sorry for flipping the lights in the, in the middle there. I got some new lights in the studio. I, I rework things a little bit, can change the color as we uh, talk about different teams. Uh, 
Yeah, I'm going to distract myself with this. Uh, yeah, Dave Dickinson, uh, we'll see what he does in that role. And it's one of those things where we keep talking about, you know, can you save cap space with that coach's cap by, you know, getting the manager and coach on one person doing both roles, right? Uh, there was, a, you know, Chris Jones does that. There's talk about could Mike O'Shea do that one day? Well, now Dave Dickinson's in both of those roles there for Calgary. Then we get into a couple of the more interesting uh, coaching changes for this year. Let's start with Ottawa because I think that was the first domino to drop. Uh, Bob Dice took over as the interim head coach uh, late last season uh, after Paul Apolis was let go. Uh, and they decided to bring him back for 2023. I know they interviewed a bunch of different guys. They ended up sticking with what they had in-house. Uh, but he's got some good assistants joining him there. Uh, Kahari Jones comes in as the offensive coordinator Baron Miles is the defensive coordinator. I really like this. I'm a big Bob Dice fan. I thought the teams had a bit more mojo in those past couple of games under him than, than, than they did with Paul Apolis last season. And we all talked about Kahari Jones got a bad shakeout in Montreal. I uh, don't think he should have been let go there. You know, bounced around a little bit. I think an offensive coordinator role is good for him. I think he has the mind to draw up what is going to be a fun offense this year for them. Uh, you know, takes away the necessarily having to worry about that discipline issue, right? He can focus on the play calling here on, as the offensive coordinator. Baron Miles, great defensive mind as well. I like this for the Red Blacks. Uh, what about you, Trey? Oh, love it. Love it. I got really not much else to add, though. You said, you know, Kari's in a spot where he's probably more comfortable. Dice earned his shot to keep the team going. I love it, Adam. You know, when they let Bobby Dice go in Saskatchewan after that year when he was the interim head coach, uh, I was kind of disappointed because I thought the guy may have got his opportunity in Saskatchewan. Unfortunately, nobody decided on that. They decided to let him go. And uh, I think in special teams-wise, he's been one of the best around for a very long time in, in uh, Ottawa. And uh, he's earned his opportunity. So why not give the guy his chance to be the full-time head coach? He's got the support under him, and that's the big thing with a head coach. If you got good support, like, again, Baron Miles, it, great choice for a defensive coordinator. He knows the game real well. He has been he was in BC forever. He played some great football over his years. So if nothing else, he's a great mentor to the defensive players, and he's done what he said. Kahari Jones, same thing. Um, he was one of those guys in Montreal, I still say, would run through a wall for him. Uh, and you, you've got an offense now that's going to be uh, probably a very solid offense by the looks of things. Kari Jones just adds a little bit more to that. And Bob Dice can still focus a little more on the special teams without having to maybe worry all the time about his offense or his defense. He he, he can still rely on those guys to help him out with that when need be. So, uh, yeah, no, I really like it for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, the Red Blacks also uh, losing quarterback coach Will Arndt, who uh, is trying to resume his playing career. You don't see that too often. Uh, a guy who, you know, goes from playing to coach and now is uh, back to playing. Could we see him pop up in the XFL, USFL, one of those leagues over the next little while? I uh, wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, wish him the best. Uh, good luck to him uh, as he looks to get back out onto the field. Uh, another team making a big change, a couple big changes, Montreal Alouettes. Uh, they, you know, Danny Machocha uh, fired Kahari Jones last season, said, I'm going to take over on the sidelines. Uh, I don't know if that was his plan all along, was to just ride out the season with that and find a new coach for this year, but that ended up being the plan anyways. 
at this point as they bring in Jason Moss as the new head coach in Montreal. Uh, offensive coordinator with the Riders last season. Uh, bounced around a little bit. Had some head coach time with the Elks, I believe. Uh, Jason Moss did. And uh, also, uh, I mean, we'll get into this as a second part of it. Moving on from team president, uh, Mario, I'm going to botch the name, Caccini, is the Alouettes here. So it seems like a changing of the guard over in Montreal. Jason Moss, you got to see him firsthand there in Ryderville last season. What do you think about him here as a head coach, back in the head coaching seat, uh, Adam? I'm just wondering what the over-under are on Gatorade containers being destroyed uh, right now for Montreal. Uh, No, honestly, I'm not a big fan of this move. And here's why. Jason Moss, when he was in Edmonton, had discipline problems. That team there in the last few years, yes, the first year, they seemed to get a little bit better in their offense. So their offense looked okay in Edmonton. But their penalties taken were just absolutely atrocious. Goes to Saskatchewan. First year, not so bad. Second year, Penalty after penalty and lots of holding calls is what you're going to find, which after all, I thought that's why Kahari Jones got fired, if I'm not mistaken, was because of, well, I don't know, discipline. So why do you bring back another coach that's been known to have discipline issues uh, as well? I just, I don't get it myself. Maybe there's enough around there. Maybe Danny Machocha could calm him down. I doubt it, but you never know. Uh, so, I don't know. I didn't like the move myself, and I hate to say it because usually I try to be supportive of a team making a new move. This one I didn't like as much. Uh, Trey, what was your thoughts? I didn't even remember it happened. When we talked about it last week on the show briefly, I couldn't even remember this happened. I thought this just happened the other day, but I I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of – I'm more interested in talking about the other part of this one – the president thing and how uncle Gary's went to number one to number hundred on the favorite list on Twitter. No one seems to like him anymore. There's more problems now. It's like, Oh, when did this, you know, you take a month off from the podcast and everyone starts hating Gary Stern, right? You don't know what's going on. Full Huh? Yeah. That one I'm more, I, and then the whole blow up about that and the difference of stories, man, like Montreal is not looking I was having high hopes on Montreal. And then apparently too, I heard, Oh, which one of the Machota or Moss isn't big on hair or no, it's Stern might not be big on Harris or something. And it's like, Oh man, I, I, you know, this is stuff that we dream of to have as a fan, but it's getting a little TMZ over there in Montreal. I feel like for us. And that's the, um, Oh, what is it? Did Ottawa do that like um, behind the scenes video or moot show? Montreal should have one maybe <laughs> this year because, oh man, I don't know what's going on over there. And I honestly was surprised. I thought I, if I was Machota, I would have just kept coaching at that point. Like I said, the GM coach thing, you know, that's what everyone, the team's going for. But again, it depends on what he personally wants to, right? So. It just feels like we're taking a step back to with the Montreal Alouettes here again and away from what we, you know, I thought we had finally gotten out of in recent years. You know, go back five, you know, there was that stretch basically after Anthony Calvillo retired where every season or two it seemed the Alouettes was going to a new coach, a new quarterback, a new offensive line, everything, right? It rotated nonstop. They went through so many of them. And it seemed like coming into last year, okay, Vernon Adams, you got him. 
uh, you know, uh, as your your number one quarterback, you've got your coach in Kahari Jones, you've got, uh, you know, a pretty decent offensive line. It seemed like finally Montreal had had that stability ownership as well after, you know, they were owned by the league for a season or two there. They finally had the owners in place. Seemed like Montreal was in a good place. Now, you know, team president is out. There's question marks over the ownership. I know Gary and and Sid Spiegel's estate, right? There's some question marks. Uh, nobody really knows what's going on in terms of the ownership of the team among all of that. Uh, you've got a new head coach coming in, Jason Moss, that, like you said, Adam, a lot of question marks on the discipline with him. Uh, I think it's concerning for Montreal at this point. And I think it's, if we're going to get into it here shortly still, I think it might affect, you know, their ability to bring some guys in or bring some guys back from this past season that I think they really need to. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little nervous at this point, two weeks out or so from free agency of uh, what's going to happen with Montreal this off season. Cause I, I think we're back to that non-stability once again. And I, I don't like it. Um, the other team, I think we've covered everything else, but a certain team in green here, uh, Adam, let me, let me change the lights to green here just for you. Um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jason Moss off to Montreal as head coach, uh, offensive line coach, Stephen Sorrells off to the Edmonton Elks. By the way, that's one that puzzles me that you know, 70 sacks given up and, uh, that's who you want to bring in as your offensive line coach. I'm not sure I agree with that if I'm the Elks, but uh, hey, give them another shot, I guess. But the the big thing with the coaching changes in, I want to say, early December was the ongoing search for a new offensive coordinator for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You know, I, I think I was rumored to be the, the OC at some point. I think all of us were because any name that was a name in football was rumored or interviewed for the position. And they end up going with in-house uh, option running back coach Kelly Jeffrey promoted to offensive coordinator here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, uh, mostly because a lot of the other options seem to turn them down or sign elsewhere. So, uh, Adam, uh, I'll let you go off on this one. What do you make of all this? Well, first things first, uh, Kelly, I'll tell you this. I thought Kelly Jeffrey should have just got the job right off the bat, but done with it, and that was the end of it. The guy had a great year. Out of anybody in Saskatchewan, Kelly Jeffrey was not the problem with that offense in Saskatchewan. He was running the running backs. The running backs was the only strong point of Saskatchewan last year until we had like until we had to go to our fifth string running back because they were all injured. Uh, so Kelly Jeffrey was my choice right off the bat for, for being an offensive coordinator for Saskatchewan or for somebody. Uh, that being said, the way they, that this team has been doing things, Go and interview this guy. Go, no, no, he doesn't want it. Okay, well, maybe we'll try it. No, he doesn't want it. Oh, this guy, no, doesn't want it. And part of that is leaking to the media. Come on, you guys can do better than that to go and let Three Down Nation sit in your desk and listen to every conversation, can't you? Seriously, just ask some guys before you start. Hey, are you even remotely? In? No. Okay, good. You don't have to bring it up with Three Down Nation. There's no, there's no reason. It just makes you look foolish because all Three Down does is, hey, look, another guy don't want the rider job. Well, that makes everybody feel like, geez, do I want to go to Saskatchewan? No. So, and then not only that, the guy that does get the job in the end, Kelly Jeffrey, goes and says, what am I pro probably, and I mean, he probably is excited that he's getting an opportunity as an offensive coordinator, but in the other way, he's like, 
what am I taking on that everybody else doesn't want this on? I mean, there's problems in Saskatchewan. It's clear and obvious. Everybody knows the quarterbacking issue. Everybody knows that we have an issue with the offensive line. Uh, you were saying, though, uh, Ryan, about Steve Sorrell's going over to Edmonton. That's Chris Jones's guy. He was there before when Chris Jones was in Saskatchewan. He moved when he went to Edmonton. Uh, he came from Edmonton originally. So that's been Chris Jones's guy for a, uh, when he's head coach as an offensive line coordinator forever. Uh, so I don't see that one being such a big surprise. Uh, again, it's going to be very interesting to see what it is this year. It was it the offensive line itself, or was it the coaching schemes to run that offensive line? Uh, there was a really neat article, I think, in the Leader Post, I think, this week, uh, talking about that, that, you know, sometimes it isn't really that you need a rebuild. And you look at the uh, BC Lions, for example, they really didn't change a whole lot of their offensive line for 2019 when they're just absolutely atrocious. But they got Kelly Bates. And Kelly Bates did a beautiful job of an offensive coordinator to really build our offensive line coordinator to really build that team back up and have a great offensive line. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the issue was in Saskatchewan this year uh, compared to next year. Is it, Was it the players? There's going to be some new players, uh, clearly and obviously. I don't know if Dan Clark's going to be back because of, again, age mainly. Uh, there's going to be some other guys in there. I don't expect to see uh, uh, a few of those other guys back. Devon Campbell, for example. I don't know if he'll be back. So there's going to be new pieces in there. Uh, but that being said, I don't know. Like I said, it'll be very interesting to see what happens here with that offensive line and how Kelly Jeffrey runs the offense. I haven't heard of anybody becoming the offensive line coach yet, I don't believe, from Saskatchewan. So... You think somebody's going to end up taking up that spot? Does anybody uh, want that job right now after last season? Well, that's the other thing, right? I mean, that's pretty much like a one-year uh, death sentence, essentially. Uh, Naaman Roosevelt, though, that's a big signing for the Rough Riders that I wanted to mention. Uh, he's going to be coming in as an assistant offensive coordinator somewhere. So maybe it's with the old line he'll help them a bit. I don't know why a receiver would help an offensive line. But, hey. Can't be anything worse, I guess, than uh, nobody. So, uh, so like I say, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in that offense in Saskatchewan. I think that's where, again, the big things are. Although there's some trouble brewing, I think, on the other side of the football soon in Saskatchewan. So uh, we'll get on that one eventually, probably in our free agency show. But, uh, Trey, what were your thoughts of uh, Kelly coming into uh, Saskatchewan? I don't care who their coaches are there, man. You were never going to get the home run signing, right? So whoever it is, whoever it is, what Saskatchewan is, if Saskatchewan is not at the salary cap or over by the end of free agency first day, I don't want to hear it because they need to do everything they can to put some team on that field, to, you know, to compete now with the Bombers and DC. And like I said, I doubt Calgary and Edmonton are going to be as bad again for a second year. So they got to do something here. And I don't care who you're coaching. Yes, you eventually have to figure out why are none of these coaches want to come here. But you also need to put a damn team on the field, right? So I'm more interested in what they do February than with the coaching. Like, yeah, who, who, would they, who would they have gone? I'm sorry. I think one of the biggest numbers Saskatchewan really has to worry about is 27 right now. Yeah. So I think that's the number of free agency signings we still have to have open right now. And some that's of those good. ain't small names. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. Who are they going to really get? Like, you know, like, and 
Lapple's been there before he wasn't coming back. Like I'm thinking of like big names. They weren't going to get anyone big. So they were just interviewing a bunch of a uh, bunch of jabronis and they just picked the one that their jabroni they already had, right? And now he's here. Somebody should have really messed with him and said, Hey, Justin Dunk, you want to come and be the offensive coordinator in Saskatchewan? Give it to Ballsy. He'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> We don't need another. Epi- we don't need a whole episode on that. Uh, let's move on here, uh, <laughs> Um Yeah, I agree with what you were saying earlier, though, Adam. That you know, I don't think he's actually a bad person for the job. Like the run game was good, and if anything, if the, I just hope we come out first game of the year, twenty plus carries for the the Saskatchewan running backs. If they do that, great hire. Boom, I'm happy with it because that's something that Jason Moss just didn't do. Uh, he he didn't run the ball, and they have such great talent at the running back position that they better utilize it more, especially if they have question marks at quarterback this upcoming season. So uh, I think it's a good potential hire. Kind of hated the way they went about it uh, because it kind of, you know, congrats, here's the job. We couldn't find a single person to replace you. Like, how do you take that? Here's your promotion because nobody else wanted it. That might that might be the exact same thing they to to Cody, right? We couldn't find anyone to replace we'll, you, right? We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I knew it was coming, so I thought I'd throw the shot in there. <laughs> well, I think that's it for the coaching changes around the CFL. So excited to see how those play out on the field. And the really the next big thing that we're focused on now is free agencies coming up in two weeks, February fourteenth. Uh, we'll talk about it more at the end, uh, once again, but we'll be doing a big live show that day. So look forward to that. Um, but we know already that there are going to be a couple of big name players seemingly not happy with their current teams that want to head to CFL free agency this off season. I think we have to start by going back to the Montreal Alouettes and talking about Gino Lewis, things falling apart here with the him in Montreal. It seems like Gino's going to, to free agency here. Seems like Trevor Harris also may not be happy with that situation there. Again, this goes back to what I was saying earlier about instability with the, the management uh, and the ownership there in Montreal and you know, uh, things like that, maybe leaning towards guys wanting to go elsewhere. What do you, what do you think of, if you're Montreal, and by the way, I think almost every one of their wide receivers is a free agent currently for this year, besides uh, Tyson Philpott, who also had an NFL workout. So for a team that, you know, was said to be lacking depth potentially at that position, losing a guy like Gino Lewis is a pretty rough blow, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, you got a guy like Gio Lewis that I'm sure Hamilton right now is just drooling over. Uh, if they could get him in and put him with Bo Levi Mitchell, <laughs> look out and uh, Hamilton might just be the first place team in the East. And it doesn't sound like it's really over big money. It just sounds like it's the direction the team is taking, like you just said, Ryan. I mean, most times you lose a big agent maybe to, again, sometimes it's dollars, but this time here, losing them just because they don't know who the manager is or what the upper management is going to look like, that's a weird way to lose a team. By the way, the purple, I think, is about right for Montreal right now. Uh, nevertheless, uh, that one and the other one is Trevor Harris. I mean, 
it's not really a deep depth right now for after Bo Levi Mitchell's off the off the uh, market. It's not a deep uh, free agency pool for uh, free agents unless you're going to convince a guy like we call Bethel Thompson to maybe possibly stick around instead of just going and re- possibly retiring from what everybody has been indicating that he's possibly doing. Uh, who else are you going to go after? I mean, I guess Cody Fajardo would be available. Uh, but, is Jason, but is Cody Fajardo going to want to go work with Jason Moss again after last season? And that's when I get to Chris, uh, Chris's question over here in the poll on Instagram. Uh, he goes and says, hey, Adam, I saw a poll on Instagram. Do the writers keep, want to keep Cody or go for Dane Evans? Your thoughts? I'm going to throw the, throw the third one at you. Saskatchewan seems to want to spend money for crazy right now. Maybe Trevor Harris wants to be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider. I mean, he would fit in pretty well. He's a guy that can really manage the ball well. It, he wasn't very expensive last year. He'll be more expensive this year after the East final appearance. That's the other crazy thing is to say Montreal's blowing up after an East final appearance. But nevertheless, I mean, to me right now, you might get a good shot at Trevor Harris by the looks of how it's going. You don't have to trade for him like you would have to do for Dane Evans. Although I could see Dane Evans getting released just before training camp. Uh, or I guess you could go for Cody Fajardo as well. But to me right now, my choice would be Trevor Harris. If I was a rough rider uh, general manager, I'd at least see what see what the issue is there. Uh, but going back to the Montreal Alouettes, yeah, you've got a lot of receivers on the on the market. Jake Wenicke is probably due for a good comeback this season, and he's a free agent right now. Uh, you've got other guys on that roster that shouldn't be on there. Chandler Worthy is also a free agent right now, uh, or potentially going to be a free agent. Uh, those are three guys that I really could, or four guys, I guess, that I really would be wondering why Montreal would ever try to let those guys go out of uh, out of the area. Uh, Trey, anybody else maybe that would try to take a shot at Gino Lewis if he when he's a free agent? Oh, all nine teams. Like you talk about, wait, maybe you know what I mean. Like depending on the salary cap, I I see no reason why anyone wouldn't want him. But I like your point, Trevor Harris to Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, and maybe. Maybe I'll bring my friend Gino with me. You know what I mean? And that kind of starts turning you guys around too and get yourself an old lineman or something. Yeah, I'm not a bad offense right now, you know? Like, they're better than before. Um, There's only a certain but, doctor that may be not coming, going to be a doctor yet in the University of Saskatchewan. The doctor? I don't know. He played NFL. He was some sort of center or something. Don't worry about it. It's oh, oh I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Okay, okay, okay. Never mind. I know what you're talking about now. Um I think you're talking about the other quarterback that turned down coming to the Rough Riders to continue teaching. I thought that was the one I thought you talked about. But yeah, but look, I'm. Oh, you guys are making me want to talk about the names you're putting in the group chat. You got to stop doing that to me. Um, well, that's my point. I was going to say, Winnipeg might get a guy like Gino if they don't sign Dembski. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, you know, that's similar salary money. A guy like Dembski, there's a fair bit of the receivers here. I said, where's Banks going to go? Banks, you know, he a team might not throw stupid money at him, but he could be a guy to fit in. You got Shaq Evans, Dembski, Duke Williams. What do you mean, no way Dembski? I, I, I'll clarify. I put this one in our in our little private chat here about Nick Dembski. I haven't seen anything that suggests he is leaving the Bombers. I just am intrigued. You look at the free agent list for the team. They brought back so many of their core pieces so far. I would have put him higher up there than a lot of the other pieces on the team as that, a core piece. That's why I think he that. might be out. 
That's why no. I might think he might be on the, this might be Andrew Harris 2.0, man. Like it it could be. But I don't man, know why. That would be that would be a huge loss for the bombers. I mean, he like, was uh, other than Dalton Schoen, he was the other guy that was kind of stirring drink over there. I'm not disagreeing with that. I think it would be dumb, but like it's kind of the same thing as we were going through last year when we're like, oh, is Andrew Harris not signed yet? And then free agency day comes and it's like, oh, the bombers never even talked to me. So, you know, I wonder what, I wonder how much the Bombers have talked to Dembski right now. Yeah, I would be shocked as well if that happened, um, because I think, I think he is an integral piece of the team that you do need to bring back. And I think they plan to do so. I was just shocked, you know, that they've extended, what, 10, 10 or so guys so far. And I would put Dembski as a very high priority on that list if I'm the Bombers to bring back. At Canadian receiver, unless they're really high on what they saw from Brendan O'Leary Orange in his uh, you know performance last season when he filled in at times as a Canadian wide receiver, right? Teams are always probably looking for that discount of uh, where they can go next, and uh, we'll see some other veteran guys. You know, Greg Ellingson is he going to be back after you know an injury kind of took away his second half of the season in Winnipeg? Uh, you mentioned Brandon Banks there already. Uh, Trey, I, I know you were talking about him as a free agent last time. He he finally got his cup uh, with the Argos this season, was let go by them afterwards. I don't know. What do you guys think about Brandon Banks at this point in his career here? I am of the opinion I'm not jumping at the gun if I am a general manager to bring him into the lineup uh, right now at this point in his career. seems like he's taken a step back the past two years. Um, you know, he always, it seems like maybe at times there's a bit of a attitude issue conflict with other players, coaches, uh, between banks at this point in his career, aging receiver on the decline, doesn't have that leadership aspect of it that you're really looking for the intangibles there. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not jumping on him, but Trey, you said you'd, you'd still look to bring in Brandon Banks as, as a priority here. If you're a general manager. The price is right. If the price is right, I'm not going to go put uh, anything crazy on him. But my what I think I talked about the other night group chat, I was like, does a guy like Banks go back to Hamilton, you know, play with Bo for a year? He's, you know, that's on, that's intriguing to me. Depends on how the, that relationship ended, you know, with the team and everything. And I, again, it, I wouldn't go if I was the Bombers. I'm not replacing Dembski with Banks by any means. But I'm saying those teams like Montreal, Hamilton, Toronto, well, Toronto. If they, I'm assuming they're not resigning him, but like Ottawa, some of those those Eastern teams might use need a guy for him for hundred thousand, hundred fifty something. I don't know what the range is. Like, I'm not paying three hundred thousand on this guy, but he could be a good third, fourth stringer on your team. He has a cup. He's been in the league for a long time. I, I, yeah, I'd sign him, Adam. I debate signing him to be honest, just because again the discipline issues. We watched Pinball and him have a few talks on the sidelines over the last little bit. Uh, he had a good playoff run, don't get me wrong. He helped the Toronto Argonauts win their Grey Cup, and he got his own out of it, and that was the big thing for him. So to me, I'll be honest, I could see that being one of those XFL casualties. I don't know which team would be on him, but I would think somebody might be interested in him, uh, especially when they start their training camp right around when free agency starts. All of a sudden, a guy like Brandon Bank comes up, a veteran that knows at least plays and knows the waggle, and there's a few CFL coaches down there that know the name Brandon Banks. 
he might be just an intriguing prospect to go down there. Uh, if he doesn't, I think the Ottawa Red Blacks would be a good fit for him. The reason being is you've got Jalen Acklin on one side, you've got Brandon Banks, who still is a pretty big threat on the other side of him. I think that would be a bad, bad pickup for the Ottawa Red Blacks. But again, like all you guys said, if the price is right to me, it's about 100 or less, I think, on Brandon Banks. And will he even sign for that? He just won a great cup. He might just sail into the sunset as well. My money's on the Edmonton Elks. Uh, they're going to need a return man, unfortunately. You know, uh, Christian Salisbury uh, was was murdered uh, via, I believe, gun violence um, back in December. So rest in peace to Christian Salisbury. If we haven't mentioned that on the podcast previously, and our sincere condolences uh, to his family, friends, teammates, and everything there. The football, you know, on the field side of it, the the Elks are going to need a return man for this next upcoming season, right? Banks has had a fantastic career as a return man and as a wide receiver. Maybe that's a guy that uh, Chris Jones looks at. Chris Jones likes to bring in those guys that, you know, uh, maybe you don't agree with uh, their attitude all the time uh, and likes to take a chance on them. So I can see a, uh, a, you know, a pairing there between Banks going to the Elks. Uh, we touched on Gino Lewis. My number one landing spot for him uh, would be the BC Lions because if you go back and look at it, who's quarterback now for the BC Lions? It's Vernon Adams Jr. who had a connection with Gino Lewis, Vernon Adams Jr. They're spending so little on quarterback uh, this season because they got VA at a good deal. Brian Burnham retired. They need another big name receiver coming in there. That's where my money's on. I mean, I have no inside sources or anything, uh, but my guess would be Geno Lewis to the BC Lions potentially. The only other guys we got to talk about, I think here, and we'll talk about all these other free agents, you know, uh, leading up to free agency on free agency day, et cetera. Uh, but as much as we talked about Montreal seemingly having an issue keeping guys around, seems like the riders are having the same problem here, Adam. Uh, Shaq Evans looks like he's going to test free agency. You have to think Duke Williams probably does after the way things transpire late in the season with him. Um, and sounds like some of their linebackers not happy with the deals offered to them. So uh, what, what's going on? Why are, why are these guys not wanting to come back to Saskatchewan? Well, I think it's partly because they know it's starting to turn into a rebuild in Saskatchewan, and it's got to turn into a rebuild, essentially. And these guys are veterans that have a chance to win a great cup right now, not in maybe three or four years. Uh, so a guy like Darnell Sankey, who is by far and away the Rough Riders' best uh, player of 2022, uh, definitely is going to be asking for some big money because he pretty much threw the team on his back for a couple games and was the only reason why Saskatchewan kept it close in some games, to be honest with you, along with him and Larry Dean. So that was Saskatchewan's big strength. And if that was if that's the case, uh, I don't see Saskatchewan really having very much luck. In, and that was always a weakness of the Rough Riders was linebacker until last year. So I'd be very shocked if they let them both go. That being said, they got to pay up a little bit for some of these guys because their defense was the only thing. They got Nick Marshall back, yes. They've gotten other pieces. I think Mullet, Roland Mulligan is back. Uh, 
Jeremy Clark, I believe, is back also for the Rough Riders. Some of the young pieces that were starting to perform last year. But if they lose a guy like Darnell Sankey to free agency, that is a bad thing for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, especially with a very suspect offense right at the moment. Uh, you were mentioning uh, Shaq Evans. It doesn't sound like Shaq Evans uh, was happy with the offer he was presented to as well. Uh, now again, you got to remember this is social media, the years of social media. It could be easily him just going and sitting there and saying, I'm not getting enough. I'm not getting enough. That way the fans all go and say, look at up. We got to have Shaq Evans back and put pressure on the, on the general manager, Jeremy O'Day. I don't know if this is the case because again, Shaq Evans time again is probably getting limited. Uh, I think that we're probably going and looking more at this time where Saskatchewan probably wants to get some more younger guys going. And I think you're probably going to see Shaq Evans moving on. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kyron Moore move on as well from the Rough Riders. He's a free agent. Uh, he's had injury problems over the last few years. He might just need a new, fresh set of scenery. And uh, again, they've got some new guys coming in here. Uh, Sam Emelis, I think Nick this year probably will compete for a spot. Uh, Canadian, it's a good spot for him. Although he might have to fill up Keon Schaefer-Baker's spot because he's had about six or seven or eight workouts down south in the U.S. So it's going to be very interesting when we get to free agency, free agency day for Saskatchewan and how many names we're going to talk about that are signed and how many yet to sign. Trey? Oh, I spent too much time talking about the Rough Riders. Man. Like I said, they just got to spend every dollar, and I would take that fine and go over the salary cap if I was them. Like, you know, show you're doing something. That's all I want from them. How many times have they broken that rule? Probably a dozen. What's one more? So it's fine. You know, with the Riders, I, I think – if I'm a free agent, I'm probably not signing a long-term deal there right now because you've got the coach and general manager there for one more year, and if they don't, you know, do an, an excellent job, they're probably gone, and it's new crew coming in, right? So I don't know if I'm signing two, three-year deals. If anything, I'm signing a one-year deal there with the Riders for free agents. I want to touch on this question from Tim in the, in the YouTube chat. Could the revelations last week concerning guaranteed money contracts throw a wrench in some of these players changing teams? Now, I think what Tim's referring to is that Bo Levi Mitchell could not have the third year of his contract guaranteed with the Ticats because he did not play for them uh, before this. So, yeah, it's an interesting one there, I think. You know, is this going to lead uh, and, you know, guaranteed money in general? Are we going to see these guys signing longer-term contracts with a team at this point uh, and, you know, sticking with them and maybe we have quieter free agencies going forward? Uh, as a result of that. I don't know. Any quick thoughts on that one from you guys, uh, Trey? No, my only I, – but I, I said this to you in the group chat too. I think Bo got that third year because then he'll be nice bait if uh, there's an expansion draft. You know what I mean? Like you can't – you have to leave one quarterback on – or, uh, you know, available, take Bo. You know, that's – I think that's – and then it's not guaranteed. So what's Hamilton losing out on, right? They just cut the guy – or whatever, right? And it's over, right? So it's not. I was. That's why I wasn't that surprised about the three year. The last year is not guaranteed. I think two years. You get one as a starter, and then if the same, maybe the mayor situation kind of happens again in Hamilton in year two. Bull rides off into the sunset, right, Adam? We uh, we all know that somewhere down in the uh, Detroit, Michigan area, right now, that Kevin Glenn is still throwing a football, so that when the Atlantic Schooners come in, he could be the first quarterback for the Schooners. I'm kidding. 
But no, you know what? I uh, I think it'll affect a little bit of the and some players changing teams. So I think that'll be like your big offensive linemen, your defensive linemen, uh, some of the younger guys that are just getting right into the prime of their career. They might be, you might see a few more of those being guaranteed contracts. The veterans that have been there for a long time and are maybe starting to go on the decline a little bit, they're going to go for one-year deals or two-year deals. An example, Derek Dennis today pretty much said, it's a one-year deal. After this, I'm riding into the sunset. Uh, so uh, I don't see it really affecting a lot of players. Some of the new guys that are starting off their career, yeah, maybe a little bit, uh, that have played for that team before. But um, I think there's so many years that you have to play for the team before you can get a guaranteed money as well. So uh, so if they're kind of worthy and the teams feel like they can get something a little bit more out of those players and they can guarantee them to keep them for a couple of years, yeah, it might affect a few players. But again, I don't know if it'll be as many as a guy thinks because most players want to get as much money as they can and they sometimes will take the risk that they'll keep them around. Can I can I ask for a clarification? So the rule is it the rule that they didn't have to guarantee they could they still guaranteed it or they just couldn't guarantee the third year at all? They like couldn't guarantee Hamilton. the third year at all. Okay. Because because Bo Levi never paid, played there before. Okay. They weren't allowed okay. to guarantee anything on the third okay. year contract. Okay. So I guess it's in place to, you know, encourage players to sign with the teams they were already with, right? Yeah. Not do a trade yeah. and sign it, type it's, of situation. It's like it's it's the NHL being allowed to have the eighth year kind of thing, right? And, and right, you're allowed to have yeah. your eighth year. It's that's yeah, okay, makes sense. Yeah, Adam, I, I mean, they're, they're trying. They're trying. I'll give them that. This new CBA, they're trying to make it that you can actually buy someone's jersey. Yeah, which is nice because I've never put the name on the back of a CFL jersey, and I probably won't, to be honest. Um, Unless somebody comes back from Jacksonville. <laughs> yes. And signs with Winnipeg. No. <laughs> oh, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. He looked so upset. It's BC, and he's just going to come beat it, beat Winnipeg every chance he gets. Yeah, of course we're talking about Nathan Rourke, who, uh, as we uh, talked about on the podcast last week, signing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Adam, I appreciate that I went to Trey first on that question, and you took that time to look up where Kevin Glenn is from. <laughs> get the get the facts right. Get that insider information. Um, let's move on to our last topic here quickly before we wrap up for today. And that was that the CFL preseason broadcast schedule was announced today, uh, on TSN. TSN is the rights holder once again, this season, according to this article, I have up on my other screen from three down nation Four preseason games being broadcast this year, uh, Friday, May 26th, uh, the Alouettes and the Red Blacks, a doubleheader on the following Saturday, uh, the Argos and the Ticats, the Lions and the Riders, and then Friday, June 2nd, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg, uh, that one being televised as well. So, you know, every team plays two preseason games, I believe it is, and we're only getting four of them total televised. I don't know if there's a ton to talk about on this topic, but I just want to say, like, why, why aren't we in a position where we're televising all of the preseason games here in some way or form. Like, you're, there's got to be, maybe it's, the, I don't know, is it the money? Is it not worth the money for TSN to do it? Like, they have the space. Like, at any given moment, three of the five TSN channels are useless, right? Like, they're either showing the same thing as another channel you have access to, or it's showing... Uh, you know, it's showing like other content, like the t like the top 50 plays of the year or things like that, that you could show at any moment when you're the sole rights holder for the Canadian Football League. 
I expect more from you to be able to, you know, deliver more CFL product. I would love to see the preseason games be part of that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Anybody uh, who wants to weigh in on this first? Oh, you go, Adam. You go. go. Well, you know what? For me, I look at it. I'm like, I'm glad you're broadcasting something. But in all honesty, you don't have a single Calgary game. You don't have a single Edmonton game. Edmonton needs all the help they can get right at the moment to get some people excited about them. Um, Saskatchewan, well... Uh, do you want to show that team twice in a row? I mean, you might be doing open auditions. It might look kind of completely different in week three of the season after the preview or after the uh, previous two pre, uh, preseason games. It can look completely different again for all we know. Uh, I don't know. I, I say, why don't they just broadcast every team equally? Uh, I don't think we need to see the Riders twice. Uh, like I say, that's kind of silly. And I really hope that they figure out something to get some other teams than just have every team have a preseason because, you know what, you get to see the preview. And I always like to watch preseason games because you see what's coming up in the future. What could be in that practice roster? What players? That's how come I always loved uh, watching last, what was the number 88 from last year for the Rough Riders. Uh, oh, I'm brain dead today. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name. I'll think of it and then I'll tell you. But uh, nevertheless, I always like preseason because you're learning about other players that you may not have seen before and maybe what the future brings. But it'd be nice to see all of them. Trey? You know, I, I think it's dumb, but I'm gonna I'm not gonna blame TSN. I'm gonna I, I think it's on the team and the leagues because it's it's a free game. Like you know what I mean? I don't know how much you're paying the players in preseason, if at all. You, you, it's, I don't know, I know ticket sale, like, t- it's still $10. Blue Bombers are pretty full their preseason games, especially over the last few years. I, I don't know. I, I'm looking at it more from that way where I believe the preseason Dalton Schoen had a good game or he, he stood out, but you had to be there to see it. And I think that was the angle they're going for. I agree. It's 2023. All preseason games should be on. TV, but I don't necessarily blame TSN because, like you said, they have five channels that show nothing during the day. They probably would love to have it, but then even as a diehard fan, I might be more con- just to stay home on a Friday night to watch it if I could. If that, but being told I have to go to the game to see it, I could see that being a thing, and um, it's their version of a blackout, I think. But it's it's dumb. Yeah, just black it out in the area then, right? If they want me to go to the Bombers preseason right. game, black it out there, but show it to everybody else around the country. I'll come out to Adams Farm. We'll watch the game there. Uh, no, it's probably more expensive in gas prices to drive out there than it is to uh, just go to the game in person. On, on, uh, on a side note, the player I was referring to was Paul McRoberts Jr. I forgot <laughs> about that one, but that was my favorite player, and he never made the team, but in preseason, man, he was good. How could we forget about uh, the Paul McRoberts Jr. era uh, of Adam's fandom of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Uh, yeah, it's too bad that, uh, and I don't know if maybe they're going for the double riders preseason game because it seems like there's rider fans everywhere in the world. Uh, like you see them literally everywhere. And so maybe they want to get more numbers in by doing that. I, it makes me sad, though, no Edmonton, no Calgary, because Edmonton's one of those teams you know Chris Jones is. I mean, he he overhauls the whole roster every single week, so uh, there's a bunch of new guys to watch there. And Calgary, if they go that same model they always do, right, like they build late into training camp and things like that, and then 
one of those guys in that preseason game we've never heard of for Calgary is going to be a CFL All-Star by the end of this season, right? But we're not going to get to see them really perform in training camp. So I, I kind of get it on one hand why they're not scheduled, but uh, why they're not shown, but uh, not happy about it. Uh, you know, as a diehard CFL fan, would love to be able to see and dissect more. Sure preseason content are other league do other leagues have all theirs like i know they do and they don't but like for i know the jays you only get training games if you buy mlb tv like they're not on sportsnet you know so and i don't think all the jets are huh i think same with the nfl i think if you have the nfl network you get everything don't you yeah i think so but you don't get them on normal cable on a normal so i don't know if that are they just following other leagues business models you know like i don't know I, maybe it's more magnified because it's a nine-team league, right? Yeah. With a lot of this stuff. Like, in a given week, I can watch all the CFL games during the regular season. So I want to be able to watch those in the preseason. NFL, I can't watch every single game outside of red NFL red zone uh, during the season. So if I can't watch them in preseason games, yeah, it's kind of, you know, you're used to that. That's kind of the norm there is, is kind of the comparison I draw. But, uh, well, if there is a way to watch them, you know, I think we've seen in the past teams live stream them on their websites, on their Facebook pages, things like that. If we can get any sort of streams for the preseason games, that would be wonderful. Uh, and I can't wait till we get to that point with preseason. But there is a long way to go to that and a lot of things changing along the way. Well, I think that pretty much does it for tonight's episode of the podcast, unless does anybody have anything else here? Uh, Adam says in her private chat, let's send Mike out to Calgary to cover the Stampeders game. I like it. Uh, yeah, maybe we need to send the podcast out. Uh, how do we get the broadcast rights uh, for these preseason games? Uh, well, what's coming up soon on the podcast, so as mentioned, we're two weeks away from CFL free agency. I think we will have a uh, exact date to be determined, but hopefully next week we'll have another episode of the podcast. Maybe take a look at where teams are at currently uh, what the, or what they've done so far in the months leading up to free agency. But the big thing coming up here on the podcast is CFL free agent frenzy 2023 February 14th, uh, I still got to fix the graphic. I've got the year wrong on that one, but it's this year, February 14th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time. We will be live breaking down everything from free agency. Uh, It will be the place to be for live coverage and analysis all day long. We'll take a look at the free agent list. We'll take a look at uh, team needs. Uh, I've been uh, building a website for the past week or two to uh, showcase all of that that uh, we'll be using on stream for that uh, to give you a little more insight into the players we're talking about. Uh, We'll react to all the signings as they come in throughout the day, and we'll talk about the winners and the losers and all of that at the end of it as well. Uh, And we also have a number of uh, guests coming in to help us out throughout the afternoon for that as well. Still working on a lot of the plans, but very much looking forward to it. So we hope you join us for CFL Free Agent Frenzy on February 14th. Of course, uh, that and this and every episode you can catch in a variety of different places. YouTube.com slash at CF Countdown Pod, Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod, Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, Twitch.tv slash CF Countdown Pod, and on the Game Time TV YouTube page, thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. Uh, so that's what's coming up on the podcast. Uh, follow us on social media to stay tuned when our show is next week. 
course, if you subscribe over on YouTube also, you can, uh, you'll get notified uh, when it's uh, set to go live uh, ahead of time when I schedule it. Uh, but on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod and Facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod for our social media. Uh, guys, where can people find you and uh, what do you all have going on right now? Uh, let's go to you here first, Adam. Well, like I still have my hat on, I'm still helping managing a senior hockey team while all doing all of this. So if you want to follow me around some hockey rinks, uh, senior provincial playoffs are coming up here in Saskatchewan. But uh, before that, we got to go to Manitoba and uh, play one more team out in Grandview and then head back to Langenberg and finish off our season. We win them. We're in first place. We don't. Well, we got to be in second place. So we should be okay. I hope we're doing good. Uh, if you want to follow me around, though, I do try to live stream a few of the games. If you do want to check that out, it's at Theodore Buffaloes over there. Or you can just check me out. Usually I share it as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, follow me over at Adam Stewart one you can see what's all going on in the grand old world of senior hockey in Saskatchewan. Uh, it's a growing, it's a growing thing, man. Uh, there's lots more that are w- catching in and watching it, and uh, there's even a weekly podcast on it now for just all the senior hockey teams out of Saskatchewan. So, kind of cool. Uh, but anyways, other than that, uh, no, catch me over at Adam Stewart One, and uh, Mike's probably doing about the same as what I'm doing, following around hockey teams. So if you're looking for anything out of Mike, make sure you check him out at Mike Darrell or check out Game Time TV MB. Uh, he's always got some good games going on over there. Right? Uh, well, I think Trey's next. Trey, where can people find everything you're doing right now? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Trey MB Harness. I usually got the horse racing stuff. Uh, surprisingly, still a lot of stuff going on, even though it's, what, minus 30 today in Winnipeg or close to that. So nothing going on here, but still things going on. And, uh, yeah, so check me out there. Uh, yeah, that's it. Just real tired, boy. I had, I was out late drinking last night watching football, so I'm a little tired today. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are texting about what time's good to do this show, and I'm like, I don't even know what I said, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got that message. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I was thinking I, pretty much said I'll be there sometime. What yeah, I was like, I I started. I think yeah, first game I hit the bar and I was I watched and didn't leave till closing at ten. So it was a long day of of fun. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you had a good day and uh, some good football to watch yesterday mm-hmm. as well and. Uh, Coming up in two weeks with Super Bowl as well, which I'm sure we'll talk before then a little bit about. I will throw a little bit of that in there, I'm sure. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at CooperTrooper42. I really don't tweet much. Uh, So, you know, I was starting to think maybe instead of calling out my own Twitter, I should pick some random Twitter account to shout out at the end of the podcast each time here. And I can't find what his handle is now, but I've come across Dan Clark, offensive line in the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. If anybody can find his handle and throw it out there for me. Uh, he is quite the the, the booming Twitter uh, timeline where he just posts would-you-rather questions uh, nonstop and gets people to weigh in in the comments. So, uh, you know, I was trying to find it earlier and was going to pull one of them up and make that a weekly segment on the podcast, the best of the Dan Clark, would you rather? Uh, But I can't find this Twitter handle now. So uh, we'll skip that today. That uh, that would be at Dan Clark 67. Okay, here we go. Okay, we're doing this. 
All right, so this is the kind of great content you get when you go to at Dan Clark 67 on Twitter. Uh, quick way in here, guys. Uh, would you rather swim in the ocean at night knowing a shark could be nearby or spend the night in a house you believe was haunted? I can't swim, so I got to take the house. <laughs> uh, I, I'll take the house. I ain't scared of no ghosts, you know. Sharks, though, who... Trail just yeah. bring me last PlayStation or the Xbox with yeah, I'll be fine. I'll be I think fine. I gotta take the house and just hope that I can hide in some random room in the house. There ain't no hiding in the ocean, right? So, uh, yeah, that's the weekly uh, Would You Rather from Dan Clark. <laughs> so let's close the show out with one of these. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, that's fun. I like that. Uh, thanks to everybody joining us here this evening. Uh, we always appreciate those who joined us live, those who watch or listen after the fact on all the platforms as well. Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate it if you do all the fun things such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. On behalf of our panel here this evening, Adam, Trey, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.